Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the 445th show of ROI. Our guest for today's show is Rochelle Chase, author and creator of the nonprofit Uniting Through History program. We are going to talk about Uniting Through History. The history buffs for today's show are Jay Swords and Rick Sweet. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Zapzaptel. Our general manager and engineer is, as always, Dave Baker. We'd like to welcome Rochelle back to the show. Hello, Rochelle. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. We're thrilled to have you on again. Uh, we call this first segment Farouk de Naurin, and our goal is to give our listeners a little bit of a background on today's subject. So can you start us off with some basic information and why you decided to start Uniting Through History? Sure. Um, Uniting Through History, it's a new nonprofit started in January of 2021, and basically its mission is to further acceptance of and pride in the fact that Black history is American history. And we want to do this by providing creative ways for people to really connect with the experiences of Black Americans, because by that connection piece, people really get it. So I think the the, the, the founding of Uniting Through History, it was really a culmination, I think, of over 20 years of different experiences. But I think for me, the catalyst was um, George Floyd's murder. And for the first time I had created this, I, I usually, you know, don't really put myself out there like on YouTube and such, but I created this video about being tired and sad and angry um, and just expressing my personal thoughts. And then also the frustration with the fact that, you know, George Floyd's murder, uh, here's yet another black man, another black person that's been murdered, you know, for no reason. But then it tied it into also this fact that there's this belief that, you know, black lives are worthless and tying that into, you know, we've never been taught that black lives, you know, uh, aren't worthless and people shouldn't have to be taught that. But I mean, by that, I'm talking about the contributions, the experiences, the, the accomplishments black people have been, you know, um, the foundation of this country in terms of those experiences as well and contributions. So my point is, all of this is to say that all of this was going on in my mind. And I was thinking, well, what can I do um, and so Uniting for History was born for me to try to do my part in, you know, um, furthering this belief. Okay, so how does this um, organization or this movement, I should say, uh, how does it reach out to teach Americans, and they definitely need to be taught about this, on the great contributions of um, black Americans and other minority cultures throughout our nation? Well, you know, it's a small right now. It's very small. It's pretty much me and the occasional part time, part time or volunteer. So I had to pick projects that, you know, were doable. Um, one way is we have our history book club, which focuses on different, you know, contributions, different um, historical books, obviously, that are about the black experience and contributions of African-Americans. So we started with the 1619 project. Each month we have a different book. 
And we're hoping to expand that so that not only are we growing, you know, the people that will participate in the book club, but that we can offer additional media to support this, be it audio, be it video, um, different, you know, supplemental materials. So that's one thing. Then piggybacking on the, you know, my Buxton experience, since I'd written a couple books about Buxton and have spent time speaking about it, I thought, okay, what can I do with the Buxton story? And so we created this hip history contest, which is a scholarship contest for youth to um, bring the history of Buxton alive through the arts uh, in a way that informs people, uh, educates them, and makes them want to take action uh, by sharing this, this story of Buxton. So they compete for scholarships, $2,000 uh, is the top prize for middle school and then the same prize for high school. And then the new this year, there's a matching award for um, the class, the, the student's uh, classroom uh, teacher school. So that's one. And then there's judges. We've got judges as well, professionals in the area that um, the students also, the winners get a 30-minute Zoom interview with. So that's a big project as well. It's a lot of time. <laughs> yes, it definitely sounds as um, so. Being that I must admit, tying in a little bit with us when we started this show. Oh my God, fourteen years ago, it started off with three people, and it takes a ton of work. Um, yeah. How many hours in a week? Because you are a one and a half person, you and someone else that helps you on the side, and it doesn't sound like that's. I mean, it's there, but not totally regularly. Regular. How many hours do you put in with this a week? Well, yeah, between that, plus I've got some book projects going on. Um, we're also working with Eulen uh, Spiegel Theater is creating this this puppet show also that's a community kind of event uh, using the Buxton stories. So working with them on that, um, plus, you know, I've got speaking events. So the point is, I'm pretty much working all day, it feels like 14 hours a day on some kind of initiative. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we greatly appreciate you being, appreciate you being on the show because uh, time is of value for all of us. Um, so if I get asked this question, because like, for instance, um, have there been organizations, you know, that you guys have kind of reached out to as I'm saying, I'm a member of the uh, Davenport Metro NAACP. So mm -hmm. um, I must admit, has organizations like you, like those organizations come and discuss with you about taking this fantastic idea and going farther? Or is it I and kind of our show was the same way. You got to do it yourself. So how is this approach going to get the news out to the community? Well, I think so far it's been, again, because of resources. And again, I seem to have this, I always think, oh, this will be easy. This will be you know, <laughs> yeah. a quick thing, you know. Yeah. And even with the contest, I was like, oh, I've done contests before. This will be, you know, a quick thing. And it's not. So the point is that I have not yet had a chance even. I've been so hands, you know, heads down, just trying to get the programs up and running that I'm hoping this year will be the first year we'll be able to reach out to some of those other organizations and really start trying to, you know, work together. For example, um, the Waterloo Human Rights Commission has their, um, their freedom tour where they take this tour, the civil rights tour through the South in the, I think it's around November. And so this year we're partnering or not partnering, we're participating in that event as a culmination of our book club to say, hey, let's 
put together all this, you know, that we've learned and let's go ahead and, you know, experience this. So reaching out to them um, to do that. Also for the book club, we were looking at, okay, maybe we could start doing things to actually uh, take action on the set, on the stuff for reading. So we talked about, you know, coming up with donating to the 1619 Freedom School in Waterloo. So the point is that this year, I'm really hoping that this is the year that we can do some of that outreach and really start to really uh, network with others. Another gentleman um, who does the Iowa Civil Rights, he does an Iowa Civil Rights podcast, we're looking at doing some things with him, you know, since we're doing some similar things. So again, this is the year I'm hoping we can do that. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for this incredibly interesting topic uh, in the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station. Submit a public service announcement, catch up on news about KALA, and listening to any of our three stations, 885-1061 or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the second segment of our show, referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Rochelle Chase, author and creator of the nonprofit Uniting Through History program, and we're talking about the program itself, Uniting Through History. Our history buffs today are Jay Swords and Rick Sweet, and Jay, as our retired resident historian, why don't you start off? <laughs> Rochelle, for most of our audience, the um, Buxton competition uh, isn't... Uh, particularly accessible the book club is however so if i were someone who just had heard word of mouth about uh your book club and wanted to participate what's the process that i would go through and what can i expect to have happen when i become involved well the process would be to sign up on the website um there is a form where you can sign up to say you want to be part of the book club and then you get uh, a newsletter, an email that gives you information, you know, here's the calendar for the books. This is when we meet. You then are on the distribution list to get a uh, invite, you know, to RSVP. And then we send the, send the Zoom information. So it's all virtual right now uh, because of COVID and because, you know, to be able to reach people in different areas as well. Okay. And, and can you give us the website one more time? Yes, the website is unitingthroughhistory.org, and up at the top, just click on the History Book Club, and that'll give you all the information. Terrific. Okay. Rick? Michelle, good to have you back again. I it was wondering, uh, at this point, it might be too early for you to gauge this, but uh, what type of reception have you gotten for this, uh, this uh, project and book club? Um, the reception, we've been a little bit, uh, it's been a small group. We seem to average, you know, I don't know, maybe about 10, 12 members sometimes. And it has been, you know, to be honest, because again, looking at, okay, 
my goals for this book club versus what we can really support at this time. I haven't really been trying to, to really promote it to say, hey, let's get hundreds of members. Because when you look at doing this in Zoom and then there's, you know, the separate breakout rooms to start chatting, it, to me it just loses that sense of, you know, of intimacy. So that's why we're also looking at this year for, okay, how can we reach a larger audience that is not just dependent on the book club, you know, the actual meeting itself. And so that's when we're looking at adding these other, you know, types of programs where we have a book for the month, and then we have these other programs this month that are related to the theme of that book. So it might be guest speakers, which would be, you know, a larger audience. One of the things that I really want to do as it relates to guest speakers is to have people that are impacted by the subject matter. Like, for example, we had a book last year, what was it? It was on Black Jockeys, uh, Jimmy Winkfield in particular. And so what was really neat about that meeting is I was able to find, thanks to one of the members, um, you know, descendants of Jimmy Winkfield and actually the daughter of, of Jimmy Winkfield. So it was really neat to have that as a guest speaker at our book club talking about the material that we read, you know, kind of impersonally, this personal person, you know, talking about their personal experiences, you know, with the father and grandfather. So my point is that is the hope for the book club is that we can reach the, uh, the larger audience with some of these, um, these other types of activities. And I would love it then if people could have their own, you know, book club sessions where it's like, okay, we all have a book, but there's these individual smaller book clubs that people form on their own to read these same books. And we come together at these bigger events. That's really what I envision this being. Okay, um, with the issue of communication, uh, and again, you being a, a one-person show, which with only 14 hours a day, you have to be apprehensive of taking on too much, and, and that is always a reality. Um, yeah. But like for getting the word out, I mean, um, have you ever like turned to um, like black community churches because um in my experience with the NAACP if you want to get word out that's the word because it hits like wildfire and it's always been really constructive because when we have events we put it on the web and we do the commercials but that is the one that really gets people attention have you looked out to those organizations i know you want it not to, i know you don't want it to grow too fast because you can't control it but are is that a, a route that you've possibly thought of taking to get the work out because you've got such a fine site and this is such a great activity that is the, the one of the routes. And, and in fact, I know you said that, you know, the, the contest may not be, you know, totally appropriate for your audience. But because we did get some funding um, for the contest, for the prizes, um, that has been where we're reaching out to, you know, black churches um, in WACP. I uh, just did a, a press release uh, for blacknews.com um, and blackenterprise.com picked it up. And so my point is, that is where we're doing more of that kind of outreach, because that is a funded project that I definitely want to see be even bigger than it was last year. So as we get that up and running, then I can now again turn to uh, the, the book club and doing that same outreach to get members there. Jay. 
I also, on on doing a little bit of research, saw that that your your sort of long or maybe midterm goal would be to expand beyond uh, African American history and uh, also do Indigenous peoples history and things like that. Um, I know that's a long way in the future, but but what kinds of things are just percolating around in your head as a way to to move this from from one group and and become more even more expansive? Well, I think I think expanding the book club is one way because you know again our books right now are focused on the black experience. There are so many other books, you know, that I'm stumbling across as well that, you know, are on other people, you know, other races. So I think because also my love is of books and interviews and, you know, meeting people and telling their stories and, you know, getting some, again, video, audio, that sort of thing. I think that is one way in which I would like to do it. Again, it's looking at expanding upon what we're already doing to kind of reach these other um, other people as well, other stories, other history. Because again, even if I had, which I'm hoping this year, we can actually have another full-time person. Um, even if I can get the staff, I don't really want to say, okay, now we're going to create this brand new product, this brand new offering, this brand new. It's like, first of all, I want to build a little bit on what we already have, expand that, get it bigger. Even the the contest, it's like, okay, we're focusing on Buxton right now because that's what I have been writing about. And again, this was something I felt like I could launch relatively quickly. But, you know, even with that, if we picked, you know, different books, different cultural, you know, experiences, different races. I mean, again, it's coming up with these ways that get people to really connect with history. Rick. Yeah, Rochelle, have you gotten any sense, uh, real or uh, perceived pushback from, uh, we call them headwinds from, any organizations, educational, religious, or political in the community for your project? You know, I I had wondered about that. Um, if I am getting pushed back, I, I'm not being told, you know, directly. I have not heard anybody, you know, directly say anything to me uh, or to say we're not going to participate because, you know, of what's going on, you know, with banning all this and critical race theory and all sure. of that. Yes. Um, so I have not gotten any direct feedback. Uh, well, the, the, probably the reality of it is that for those people that would um, insult great projects like this, they don't read in the first place. So, I mean, that's probably that reality there. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good strategy. They, they, they won't bother <laughs> yeah, you. Exactly. They can't read. Throw books at them and they won't read them. You're just fine. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Uh, I I teach high school. I teach uh, modern U.S. history and I teach world studies. And I must admit, I teach one of the largest high schools with all the talk of, you know, uh, CRT out there. The year's starting off. I'm thinking, okay, some kid or a group of kids are going to come and drop this on my lap. And then, of course, you know, it's going to be a massive discussion and all the above. And I haven't heard a word of it. And then mm-hmm. I came to the conclusion that, you know, the kids that I thought might do it, their folks don't pay attention to much anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, 
it is in a lot of ways has made my life a little easier uh but but anyway um you know you know that sometimes helps uh with the with the research that you're doing and we all here all four of us has done research in different areas could you please tell us especially with your writings um What's the process you go about? You know, because one of the most tough things to do is take an incredibly important subject like yours and then, you know, put it together where it works. So Mm -hmm. how did you, what was the most trying part of this process? Because no matter what project you do, that's a reality. Right. Are you talking about the trying part as it relates to my writing? Yes. Okay. Um, well, it's interesting you ask because I'm actually working on a new project now. I have somebody waiting for this, so I'm trying to, to get it done. Um, it's actually a historical fiction book set partly in Buxton and part in Atlanta um, in 1906 during the uh, race massacre that happened there. And so I wanted to, it was a way for me to kind of deal with the reality of kind of the reality of, you know, what Buxton, because it does take place partly in Buxton, um, the realities that people, black people were going through in these different, you know, cities. And I wanted to get more real into what, you know, I thought it might be day to day, you know, living in, say, Buxton, where I have a little bit of, you know, fictional um, um, creativity, so to speak but still keeping it true, historically accurate to the town, the period, some of the named people. So to answer your question, this is yet another um, kind of stretch. You know, it's like, okay, finally kind of kind of know a little bit what I'm doing with, you know, the nonfiction part. And now I'm marrying my two worlds, my fiction writing and my nonfiction writing into this historical fiction book. So the process has been really interesting in terms of reading, you know, of course, trying to really research and sticking to history as much as you can, like really trying to see what the streets were like, what were what were on the streets at that time, what would people have been experiencing, and you can really get into that whole research <laughs> you yes. know, mode where it's like, gee, at the end of the day, it's a week has passed. What have I written? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nothing, in my opinion, I enjoy more, <laughs> but I think it's more difficult to write than a historical fiction because yeah. it, you, because you have a, a set format there. And then to, you know, do you want to add the characters or are you pulling too far away? Jay, what do you think about that? Having done a little bit of historical fiction myself, um, more historical fantasy, but the idea is the same. Um, It's harder the more accurate you have to be. Um, Yeah. I've done stuff where there just isn't a whole lot of history, of tangible history to to work with, so that gives you a lot of room to play. Uh, But I've also done stuff where there are sort of basic outlines that you have to stay to, and that's much harder because you're constantly double-checking or second-guessing yourself and having to go back and look. You know, when she talked about going a week and not writing something, I've absolutely gone entire days where I had gone down a rabbit hole and was doing all these sorts of things and got <laughs> and went, gee whiz, probably I should write something. Yeah. <laughs> right. God, yes, without a doubt. Right. You know, I think it'd be the difference between a historical fiction author and a historical uh, screenwriter 
fiction authors, as Jay pointed out, they don't tend to follow the historical marks. They don't. They come up with a script that makes it look really good. We had a guest on last week who was talking about how this, you know, the Vikings and what screenwriters have done to make their life very mythical. And it is amazing. Rick, you got a question. Yeah, I do. I just I want to go back to the book club, if I may, Rochelle. Uh, you say mm-hmm. that you've got about a, a dozen or so uh, members, uh, without giving us their names, their addresses, bank account numbers, and that kind of thing. <laughs> Can you give us kind of a general profile of who your your early members are? Yeah, um, it, we have a couple of folks that are writers we have you know a psychologist we have history buffs um we have some people that had never really read anything related to you know black history before so this was new to them um it's just a, a variety of of people it's been really interesting great are they happy with uh, the topics that uh, you're uh having them read are they enjoying themselves yeah it's it's like, I, I always say, you know, we're kind of learning together, right? Because a lot of these books, you know, that I feel like I'm kind of late to the party here. There was so much of this that I didn't learn in school. And so I picked also these books because I'm interested in reading them. And some of them have been on my, you know, to read stack for a while. And so it's just very it just makes me feel great when, you know, people are at the club and they say, Oh my gosh, I didn't know this. And there's so much I didn't get taught. And how come I wasn't taught all of this? And the feedback has been great. Okay. It is customary that we give our guests the last words on the show. And I'm going to open the floor up to Jay and Rick as well. Rochelle, why do you think um, uniting through history, it's teaching its focus, its projects is relevant in today's world? Well, I think it's relevant because it's like LeGarrette King, who is an associate professor of social studies education and at the University of Missouri, and he also was part of the curriculum at the, uh, the, for the 1619 Freedom School. He had said, uh, in many ways, we could, wouldn't have a Black Lives Matter movement if Black Lives mattered in the classroom. And I really feel like that is, is really true. You know, if people, all people knew the history of, you know, Black contributions that African Americans have, the contributions Black people have made, the experiences, and then when we expand that to all people of color, it's like, I really do feel like that goes away in fighting racism. Is it the, the answer to everything? Of course not. But I do feel like it is integral, an integral part in fighting it. And it also is an integral part in instilling pride in uh, both black people and, 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 you know, all this history we didn't know. Okay. Jay. Um, I agree with everything that uh, Rochelle said. I also think History in general tends to be a forgotten subject area in today's educational system. Um, you know, it, it, we hear all the time about elementary schools losing social studies as part of their curriculum, the, the emphasis being so heavily on math and reading and so forth. And so I'm also excited about the idea anytime uh, somebody comes along and says, I want to find more and different ways for people to connect to history. And, and I think that's a worthy project in and of itself. 
and then you add on the, the things that you talked about, and, and that just makes it an even more powerful uh, concept. So I'm, I'm really thrilled that you've got it up and running and, and excited to see where it goes. Rick. Well, I, uh, I agree with everything said. I am uh, personally offended by people who uh, ignore their history or histories of other people. Our show, ROI, is a universally wide brush that we try to touch on all these elements of history that people uh, have either ignored or have no opportunity to, to learn about. So this book club, I think, is just an exquisitely excellent idea to open up areas of historical understanding that is absolutely vital uh, in today's world. Okay. Thank you. When we come back, we'll wrap things up, so please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes the 445th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Zapzaptel. My name is John Keeley, and we would like to thank our guests, Rochelle Chase, author and creator of the nonprofit Uniting Through History program, who talked to us about the program Uniting Through History. The history buffs were Rick Sweet and Jay Swords. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotso Pulanala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night.